Welcome to Under Two Capes. I'm Jared, and today we're talking about The Batman. The Matt Reeves movie finally came out, and it was awesome. That's how we'll start off there saying it was really, really, really good. Before I go on, this is going to be a spoiler review. Spoilers. So remember, I've warned you guys 80 times in advance. This will be a spoiler review. Just wanted to make sure I got credit for at least saying that. So anyway, we're going to start off. So I was cautiously optimistic about this movie because it was the Twilight guy. I had only really seen him as the Twilight guy and maybe the dude from Tenet, I think, with Nolan. That's it. That was my only exposure to Pattinson. So naturally, I was pretty, like, I don't want to say, like, apprehensive, but I was kind of like, why him? So once again... It really surprised me because we had that first fandom trailer, I believe, two years ago in 2020. Yeah, two years. And that far surpassed my expectations where it ends with the goon getting beaten up by Batman and Batman going on vengeance, which I felt was, like, amazing. That was, like, one of the greatest Batman scenes, I think, ever put to film. So we had that, that, and the other trailer came out that I talked to Max about with him running through gunfire like Superman, which that one was like, okay, that's really cool, but not really like Batman, but still. So anyway, going, we're going to start the review by talking about a couple of different points. So first I want to talk about the atmosphere of the movie, particularly how this movie uses darkness really well, because there's a scene in the movie, it's like the very first scene. It, and it's being narrated by Batman in a journal, which I felt is like really, really, really cool. It feels like this whole thing is a comic book. So the movie starts off and various hooligans are get, getting up to various malarkey. See, I can use words. And all of a sudden the bat signal gets shined. And then you see them, they immediately stop and run away. Actually, first they stop and start staring into dark alleys because they're like, oh no, he could come from there. Oh no, is he going to come for me? And what I think this movie emphasized really well was the fear that the criminal element um, bestows upon Batman. Even when in the subway, um, th these guys that, that were clown makeup, so they're probably Joker, Joker uh, goons, and we'll talk about that later in the review. They're attacking this, this person. I think it was like a gang initiation anyway. So then all of a sudden you hear a thud. And then very loud footsteps. Footsteps, footsteps. And then out of a dark alley, you see Batman appear. And then it's that scene from the trailer where the guy goes, who are you supposed to be? And then Batman just destroys him and goes on vengeance. So in other words, when I saw that happening, I was like, oh, they're starting with it. This is going to be the first part of the movie. This is really effective. This is really cool. Because it establishes... Be, it establishes right there in that one scene everyone's afraid of Batman even they're like oh no it's him and then B Batman does what Batman does what's interesting is that he doesn't beat up or even mess with the gang member being initiated because he was hesitant he, the gang member wasn't like really committed if you will so I thought that that was really cool it shows that Batman can like di differentiate between who he takes on so moving on um Another part of the atmosphere that I felt this movie made great use of is sound. Case in point, 
that amazing like Batmobile chase, which starts off with just the Batmobile revving up its engines. And what's awesome about that is that it's always that the Batmobile is a character itself and it's a monster to be feared because it's like, mm, 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 uh, I can't do, do it that well. But the point is, is that when you look at, when you hear that scene, also it's, it's a loud rev. I'm like, geez, this is amazing. And then he just takes off and starts chasing after these criminals. And I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Plus the fact I wasn't a big fan of Bat Batmobile in the trailers. I'm much more of a fan now. And this Bat Batmobile chase, some people have complained that it was a little long. But I liked it because, again, it gave like all this different, con it's kind of like the Snyder Cut, how it gave a lot of context. And it was just like, they gave you a chance to like really delve into this world in the Bat particularly with the Batmobile. And I'll talk more about that uh, near the ending of the review. So we had that awesome Batmobile thing. Plus, going back to the previous scenes with the darkness, you hear the, the, um, the boot thuds of Batman as he walks through that, um, what's the word, that dark alleyway. And again, that establishes that Batman... Okay, so what this movie did really well is that they established that Batman's a force of nature. He's not just a dude. And that's what I think a lot of movies struggled with. Affleck kind of got that, but we never got, like, a Batman movie for him. So that's why we never kind of... Actually, no. Batfleck had a moment because in BBS, you see all the criminals are scared of him and then the Bat brand and all that. But go back to this. This movie, I think, way better than Nolan's movies establishes that Batman's a force of nature because you hear the thuds and you can kind of see some of the criminals shaking because they know what's coming. It's like thudding, thudding. And then it's, and you hear like a lot of, um, even a lot of the punches establish that Batman's like hitting hard. This is a dark Batman. Like I believe in the review episode, the anticipatory episode that I did with Raph and Lad, we were talking about how this movie is probably going to be very dark and very like brutal. It's going to be the most brutal Batman movie we've ever seen. And really that was true. It was very, very dark and brutal and Batman's like punching people in. Really good. Next, I will, I'm going to talk about the portrayal of the Riddler. Now, granted, we haven't exactly had that many movie portrayals of the Riddler besides Jim Carrey and that horrible Batman. I think it's Batman and Robin. That horrible movie. So that was... The bar was not exactly that high. So Paul Dano really nailed this character. And I like how they made him more of like a serial killer-like enemy instead of just a dude that dresses up in a leotard with, with uh, question marks all over it. I don't think he even had a suit that had a question mark. It was more like just the calling card and even uh, when he's drawing it in his coffee. And I really liked how... They also established, and Comic Pop talked about this, but I, I felt he hit the nail on the head. They established that uh, how he got his henchmen. It's just he recruited them off the internet from, uh, from, from like, Reddit. And I think that's really cool. It's a good commentary on society, and I really like that. I really like how this movie, like, draws you in with familiarity, if that makes sense. And uh, once again, the first scene is the riddle of killing someone, and... He, he like a, the guy passes the camera then he's just the, the riddle just standing there with his glasses on you only know he's there because of the reflection of the tv in his glasses really love that and then the riddler does his thing and starts his riddles and I like how they showed that he's like one step above batman because that's 
the point of the Riddler. He's certain if, and I'm going to talk about this later in the week when I do the episode, a, a video on why Batman's villains are so memorable. The thing is, is that each of them represents a significant a portion of Batman, and the Riddler is Batman's um, intelligence and brilliance. So uh, it makes sense that the Riddler would be a little harder to catch than, say, the Joker. So I really liked how Batman was constantly being being caught on his toes, being had to be on his toes constantly to fight the Riddler. I also dug how even Bruce Wayne became a target, and the point where put Alfred in the hospital. I love the scene where Bruce, where Batman is interrogating Riddler, and then uh, the Riddler keeps saying Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne, <coughs> and you see Batman look at the security camera very warily, like it's this no on Bruce Wayne. And then he goes, no, we all, and then the, the Riddler goes, we almost got him. So it's, it's like you see, they establish a little bit of fear in Batman that he may have gotten outed by the Riddler. And I really liked how that scene played out. That whole interrogation scene was great. Now, the next part I want to talk about, it's more on going back to the Batman's narration. And this is going to, and this plays in through the entire, uh, to his entire arc of the movie is that he kind of saw himself as he doubts the Im if he's having a positive impact on Gotham. It's really just, he's like, what am I doing besides beating up uh, criminals at night? Am I actually making an impact instead of just being a dude that beats up people? And at the end of the movie, what I liked about what they did at the end of the movie is that they stop a, the they obviously stopped the Riddler. And then there's a scene where one of the Riddler's henchmen goes on vengeance. And, that's just, and you see Batman like shocked because what's showing is that his original approach was having a negative impact on the city. It was making them think that you could, just, you could behave exactly like that instead of be. He's, he wanted to like lead people down another path. And then at this point, you see at the end of the movie, Batman realizes that I have to be hopeful. I mean, the, the, the Gotham people need hope, not fear. So that's how they explain that he starts to reform his ways probably in the next couple of movies. So I really liked to see Batman had doubts. And it was like, it, it was very cool to see Batman actually doubt because normally he's like one of the most sure people in the DC universe. He's like, no, no, no. All we have to do is do this, 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 this. We'll be totally fine. Problem solved. Really dug that. Next, I really liked, okay, so with superhero movies, and this is a problem that multiple movies have suffered from, besides horrible writing, but I'll get to the point. Oftentimes, it's very tricky to do a superhero movie with multiple um, supervillains. Spider-Man 3 fell into this issue when they had Venom and Sandman and New Goblin. It's like, oh my gosh. And then, it, besides the bad writing. And then you have, like, Batman Forever with Poison Ivy, Bane, and then you also have uh, Mr. Freeze. Besides the horrible portrayals of those characters. This movie, I think, did it really well. And that it had multiple, like, I guess minor antagonists besides the Riddler, because it was like they had Falcone. That's actually the name you pronounce, the way you pronounce it. I'm Italian. That's the way you pronounce it. You also had the Penguin. And Colin Farrell was super cool as the Penguin. And I really, really liked his portrayal. You couldn't tell it was Colin Farrell. That's the weird thing. It was like, whoever did the makeup for that movie deserves an Oscar. One of the things I loved is that when Batman and Gordon are interrogating him and then, then they leave, Penguin is like waddling out like this, and I'm like, because his legs are like tied, and I'm like, that is so cool. So it had a little bit of like 
humorous moments. And once again, it was able to properly like balance all the different antagonists in the movie. I also did like how they kind of insinuated that Falcone and, and Moroni were like behind the Wayne's murder. And they kind of played on that whole quarter vowels like idea that Bruce, that Thomas and Martha Wayne weren't like these, these um, flawless socialites that everyone seems to think they are. They were like, like I think um, Martha Wayne was in and out of insane asylums and all that. So I liked how they kind of played with the Wayne legacy a little bit. Then that actually plays into um, Circus's portrayal as Alfred because so. I, I definitely like Circus. He was less sarcastic, I think, than, than Jeremy Irons. But the thing about this one is that they established him more as a father figure to Batman. And that was kind of played on in Batman Earth One, volume, uh, well, just Earth One. And that, so Alfred taught, the Alfred taught Batman how to fight. So there you go. We have that scene. And then they sort of uh, play off like Alfred knew about the, he knew the truth about the Waynes and didn't tell Batman because he really didn't, didn't know how to tell him. And I really felt that that was like a very powerful and poignant moment for, for the guys. Next, I really like, I cannot emphasize this enough. I really like Pattinson as Batman because the thing about him, it's the same reason why I love Ben Affleck as Batman. They captured the darkness of Bruce Wayne and Batman really well. But what Battinson brought into the into the mix is that he showed that since this is Earth Two, Batman is not really used to like the double personality. So he's kind of awkward as Bruce Wayne. He's like very reserved, very cold. And we saw this specifically in the funeral scene when he just shows up. And he's very cautious around everyone. No, he's he's Batman. And that really plays on the whole Batman is the real uh, thing and, and there's a real persona and Bruce Wayne is the secret identity. So I really like how they played that off. Next, and I will say this surprised me. The pacing was amazing. And it's the same reason why I don't mind watching the Snyder Cut seven times. Yes, I've watched it seven times and I'm working on it. I'm going to start an eighth soon. The thing about it is that you could have a long movie and it not feel long and not feel like a sludge because there are plenty of long movies that feel long. Like, oh my gosh, do we have to watch a three-hour scene of Hobbits farming? I, I, I know, I'm picking on the Lord of the Rings, but that's besides the point. Now, pacing is a very, very, it's a very important, but it's also like a big balancing act. And I think both Snyder and Reeves really, really know how to pace a movie. Like, let me put it this way. This movie is almost three hours, and the Snyder Cut is four hours. Snyder Cut feels like a two-hour movie, and Reeves felt like, I mean, did it feel long? It felt a little bit like a three-hour movie. It felt like two and a half hours, I would say, would be the max, I would say, it felt. It didn't feel like two hours and, like, 50 minutes, I think, is the actual runtime. I'll look that up real quick. But the point is, is that the pacing in this movie was like ridiculously good. I, it, at no point did I feel like, <sighs> at no point, at no point was I yawning. At no point was I like, this is like really, like, this is really boring or anything like that. Can we just get to the point? Which, and once again, 
I cannot emphasize this enough. For, for a lot of movies, that is like a make or break like point here. It's a make and break. Uh, it, it can make or break a movie. That's, a, that's what I'm going to say. It can make or break a movie, and this movie actually does it really well. I'm trying to find the runtime. So let me just add that to my Google search. Runtime. It is not 20, but the Batman 2022. It is, our Batman is about, it's about three hours, it says that. So yeah, so it's about three hours. Once again, it doesn't really feel like three hours. It's kind of funny, well, one hour more and there'll be the Snyder Cut. But um, doesn't feel like four hours and, and the parts were, but here's the thing, it, do, it doesn't really matter how long it is because it's so good you want more, which is why I'm glad that pretty much they're going to get uh, sequels and spinoff series. So I'm like, yes, please, let's continue building this world. I want to I be immersed in this world. It's so cool. Furthermore, it's like, and see, this movie didn't feel like also it had a lot of a filler. And that's another that's another part of the pacing, like balancing out, because you don't want to make it feel like you're just throwing this in for runtime. Everything in the movie really felt important, at least to me. Some people have, have said that it could like do with less of the Batmobile chase, less of this, less of this, less of this. But really, the way I saw it is all of that is really essential to A, get you immersed in the world and be established this um, Batman. So I liked it. I like long movies. So it's like, it's no issue for me, as in the case of the Snyder Cut, which I've watched seven times. I, I want to keep saying that again. So overall thoughts of the movie. I would give it honestly a 9.5 out of 10. Actually, would I give it a 10 out of 10? The only movie I've given really a 10 out of 10 is Snyder Cut. I would say... In terms of how I review Matt Reeves' The Batman, honestly, I would probably, yeah, give, give it a 10 out of 10. It's one of, it's pretty much my favorite Batman movie. Now, let me clarify this. By Batman movie, I don't count Batman versus Superman because that was a Batman and Superman movie. I'm talking about solo Batman movie. That is my favorite. That is 110% my favorite Batman movie. So those are my overall thoughts of the movie. It was fantastic. The action was great. The sound was great. The score. Oh, man. When I got out of that, I was humming that score like forever. It's still stuck in my head. It's playing right now. Please help me. <laughs> that score was fantastic. The cinematography was gorgeous. Everything about this movie was great. Actually, I want to talk about the Batsuit real quick, too. As you know, in the in the anticipatory episode we did with Raph, we were all concerned about the suit, that the suit looked kind of cheapy, which that's the point, year two Batman. But it looked, it, once you get in the movie and see it in action, it is fantastic. It is one of my favorite um, Batsuits. My number one is the tactical Batsuit from the Snyder Cut. Number two is the Batinson suit. I'm not a big fan of the Bale suit because it's... I like the Batman Begins Bale suit. I didn't like how they tried to slim it down in, in a Dark Knight. I felt this, like, really annoying. It's another one of that trope where every new movie or every new comic book, the superhero needs a new costume. It's really annoying. 
purely to sell action figures. But th that's where it ranks. So, so a little more into the Batman, what I wanted to add is where this could go. Now, judging by what we saw in the movie, what's interesting about it is that it leaves open a Joker... Uh, Riddler team up in that at the end of the movie actually can't believe I didn't talk about this in the first part the end of the movie we have the Joker showing up very clearly the Joker and he more or less tells the Riddler let's team up and take down the bat together so what that indicates to me is that we could see like maybe a war of jokes and riddles but here's a, here's a problem with that there's too many villains that would have to be established before you could do that maybe like in three but for right now, it would probably be like maybe Joker and Riddler versus Batman. And then maybe um, they could bring in other Batman characters like Dick Grayson and such. <coughs> My point is, it could lead to that. I think, and Pat Pattinson has been very clear that one of the points that he, one of the antagonists, the Batman antagonists that he wants to use are the Court of Owls. Now, for those of you that don't know, the Court of Owls are the secret society of socialites in Gotham that have secretly been behind everything. In fact, it's heavily implied that Martha Wayne and Thomas Wayne were owls, or at least were aware of the owls and were involved with the owls. So what that would indicate to me is that they could write a really good like, conspiracy theory story on the Court of Owls, and that could lead to like substantial, it could lead to some, uh, they kind of hinted at it in the Batman movie when they revealed the truth about Thomas and Martha Wayne. So it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility that they could add in, uh, add in that type of concept. Then you could also have a, have part of the movie, Batman not sure he could trust because the thing with the owls is that they're everywhere. Gordon could be an owl, Alfred could be an owl, so this really puts Batman's trust in his allies sort of at a, at odds, if you will. Then we could have the whole, then we could have third be like the whole Batman Catwoman cat thing. He helps her, like she comes back to Gotham because she's fallen in with the wrong crowd and then she needs backup, she needs help. And then that would lead to her returning and teaming up with Batman. I think that'd be really cool for them to, to explore. In order to explore more on like the relationship between Bruce and Selina. And then see if, if this Batman is at the point where he could have a relationship with someone. Because really, this is the totally devoted and... This is the, the totally devoted Batman. It's not necessarily the, I want us to... I want to settle down with someone. This is the, this is my life, Batman. So really what, what um, I think that would be, that would indicate is that it'd be a nice way to show this Batman's growing. Even when Catwoman comes back, she sees that he's more open and able to change. And also a little less dark. And this would lead to like, pre pretty much like him becoming l less of the darker Batman and then, and hmm, the relationship solidifying, if you will. So then, and they have it. So moving on, 
I don't think they're they're going to bring in any other DC superheroes like Superman or Wonder Woman because Reeves himself has indicated that it would make uh, that he likes to make the movie as grounded as possible, and that would like, I guess the term is, deground the um, the storyline. So I could see what he would say with that. So I could see him not necessarily wanting to use Superman or 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 Wonder Woman. So in, in light of that, he could also, I mean, I don't think he would bring in any other superheroes really because that would distract from it being a Batman movie because it's supposed to be a Batman show. And I, I, but speaking of like other stuff, I think that the Gotham City Central, that could, he could turn that into a Jim Gordon show where it's exploring the corruption within GCPD. And that, that could be a reason why like all the criminals always get released. And then the Arkham Asylum thing could be a, like a, it could be like a series where it basically psychoanalyzes each of Batman's villains, and you could bring in others that he's caught, and this could take place like after a couple of movies, so there's more villains to play with, or you could introduce a few and they escape, and that sort of ties into the next movie. So there's any number of things that Reeves can do that I think would be very effective and very cool. Next up, I think that in terms of next movies, I honestly think that one, one thing I'm pretty sure he's gonna he's gonna keep it like very grounded. He's very clear on that. I think uh, I don't think he's gonna change the bat suit or anything like that. I wonder it could be he jumps a year, and then what they what would be kind of cool is that if he does a one year time jump or like a time jump at all. You could see it could mirror the first movie, and you could see the positive effect that this new outlook is having. Uh, this new outlook of Batman is having on uh, on the city of Gotham. So I feel like they could use that as an opportunity to like show the change, ba the changing Batman. So that'd be really cool. Next, what I think that they're going to do is they're probably they could introduce a Robin soon. They don't have to make Dick Grayson the first one. I, I think that they might because Reeves is pretty like steeped in the comics. So I'm pretty sure they would make Dick Grayson the first or at least hint that they exist. Like maybe the Flying Graysons are coming to town or something like that. Just hint that that Robin exists. And then maybe as a, like a post credit at the end, like in the beginning of the movie, this could be movie two or movie three, Dick Grayson's parents are killed. And at the end of the movie, we see him being brought to Wayne Manor and Batman uh, and Bruce Wayne basically saying, I'm going to train you and you're going to be my Robin, essentially. So I could see it turning out like this. And then next, I think that in terms of really like, in terms of other characters, I could see also Barbara Gordon because you obviously have a Jim Gordon. Although I'm not sure they would bring in Barbara Gordon now because they're making the Batgirl series. And it's unlikely that they're going to have that type of conflict. So I could really just see it being like just, just um, probably Robin if they're going to bring in anyone. And maybe hint that like a Jason Todd exists. Not have him have any contact with Batman yet because he wouldn't have contact. He wouldn't meet Batman until... Um, <coughs> until... Dick leaves and becomes Nightwing. What's actually kind of funny when you think about it is that Tim Drake, the actor who played Tim Drake in Titans, is the one that played that conflicted goon 
<coughs> that conflicted Joker grew in the beginning of the movie. That was that was the the Titans Tim Drake. So I was like, oh, that's that's actually really cool. It'd be interesting if they make him Tim Drake, and that's the Batman that was um, and and actually the Titans is Matt Reeves Batman, but it's, um, Reeves has also been clear that he wants to make sure that like that like his Batman movies are like more like self-contained storylines. Like he's not beholden to continuity. So I really think that like most likely it's not going to be the same guy. It's just going to be as the, the same actor was available as so they just used him. So that, that, that's where I think that's going to go. In terms of future like storyline adaptations, I don't think they're going to do three Jokers because you need three Jokers and Barbara Gordon and, and uh, Jason Todd to do that right. But I think they could do they could call they could do Court of Owls like I said before. They pretty much did your um, Earth One, probably like the first volume or so. But you could really delve more into that Earth One lore because we uh, and we could delve into Batman messing up. Like one of the funniest scenes in the movie actually is when Batman does the wingsuit. He deploys his chute, but it gets caught on an overpass, and he just uh, flops around and hits like a bus. This is showing that this is inexperienced Batman pulling his chute when he's under a tunnel. So, so uh, I did like how they showed his inexperience. But in terms of in, ter in terms of other storylines, I could see that. Can't see war jokes and riddles, but I could see maybe an adaptation of the kill a version of the killing joke. Actually, if, if, they, if they do do Barbara Gordon, they could do, do the killing joke. So I think that that would be an interesting storyline to take it. I don't think they're going to necessarily show everything because it's confirmed that uh, Joker had his way with Barbara Gordon. So I'm not like, I don't think they're going to show that, but I'm pretty sure that they're going, that they could show like the, the shot in the spine and then Gordon being tormented. So I, I think that'd be really cool for them to show that storyline. Next, I think that they could do, I already said Court of Owls. I think that they could do like, like maybe, could they do Dark Knight? Uh, I, I think that, that with this Batman, I don't think they would do like an all-star Batman and Robin adaptation for the Robin movie because in that, it's actually stated that Batman loves being Batman. In this story, in the storyline for the movie, it's very it's very obvious he doesn't love being Batman. So, I don't think there'd be that much of a conflict. But besides that, I think that they could do that really well. In terms of like upgrades to Batman, I, I, I they could probably keep the suit, but maybe change like the color scheme. Maybe go with the rebirth with the logo being outlined in yellow and then having a purple cape. In the gray suit, it's already a gray suit, so it wouldn't need that much of a change. And in terms of the Batmobile, I could see them maybe upgrading it to like make it more like more Batmobile and less like sports car. But don't get me wrong, I love the new Batmobile. It looks so cool. It it fits this era of Batman because even Reeves, during the first uh, fandom panel that they did for the Batman at the end of the show he indicated that this is like a Batman that's like thrown together all of his stuff. So it's not like one that had that, that like, 
it's really more of a build your own Batmobile, build your own like bat suit. So it's very like self-made. So it allows him to like to upgrade as he sees fit. But, but my point is it, it goes with the aesthetic of the movie that would be like an update a, a adapted car instead of like this super advanced tank mobile like in Batman Begins or BVS or Justice League. And once again, I'm talking about the Snyder Cut. Additionally, I really feel like I really feel like um, like maybe upgrade like maybe we could see some detective vision, like actual detective vision, like in the in the Arkham games, because um, he already has like the I would say ocular implants, but it's like the the contact lenses that like record what he sees, so they could do that. What I did like, I did like how, how the lenses recorded everything that they saw so we could review it later. I really like that. They're really playing onto that detective, like, trope with Batman. Now, here's a question that I'm sure all my Snyder fans are, are wondering. What does this mean for Ben Affleck's Batman? Could we conceivably get it? Could, could, we, could, conceivably, could they conceivably decide we're going to make that one too? Conceivably so. What I mean by that is, Actually, just before I recorded this too, Toby Emmerich did an interview where he said that the projects are going to be more director-focused and less like IP-focused, meaning it's kind of like after Batman, it's kind of like they're going to say, okay, Matt, we should work well for this one, this one, this one, this one. So it's like we're going to get Restore the Snyderverse. If we restore the Snyderverse, I think we're going to get the Batman. Because why not? It's just more of Batman, and I've already established in all my interviews that Batman is the cash cow of the DC universe, and DC is not going to change anything about him. But my point is, is that if he's a cash cow, and practically every comic coming out of DC uh, right now is Batman, I really think that at this point, it only makes financial sense for them to at least say, okay, so we're, we're going to do the Ben Affleck Batman series so that so, so we can just put out more Batman content. It's that simple. And, I feel like at this point, they're going to end up doing that. So that's where I think it'll go in terms of the Snyderverse. I still think the Snyderverse is going to be restored. We'll see what happens when the merger happens in April. I don't think it's going to happen automatically. I don't think they're going to sign the papers and then say we're going to restore the Snyderverse. I would be very surprised if that's one of their first announcements. Like, extremely surprised. But remember, guys, it's going to take a while for them to, like, iron out the details, who's going to run stuff, and, and, and get the people all installed and, on the, and uh, on, on the ground running, essentially. So, most likely, we won't hear about any Snyderverse restorations. Probably, I would say, maybe for, like, another six months to a year. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a while, but it's significantly more likely now with the merger than it was before the merger. Like, before the, the merger, I was pretty sure that they were going to make him do it. Because let me put it this way, it was AT&T that told them, um, release the Snyder Cut. Where I, but when you go to, so in other words, it was a outside organization that came to came together if you will that said okay you're going to restore the Snyderverse so based uh, uh, so based on that I'm pretty certain that 
they're going to say, okay, at this point, okay, we need, we definitely need more original HBO Max content because no one's going to come here if we don't have original content. Everyone came here, but, uh, most people came to HBO Max because of the Snyder Cut announcement. You can look at the statistics. As soon as it was an, it's, it's pre-order subscriber base was like, well, it's going to be like this. Then when the Snyder Cut happened, and by, for, for all my audio listeners, uh, I'm holding my arm flat. And now I'm pointing it upwards to indicate that when the Snyder, ver Snyder Cut was announced that like the subscriber slash pre-order like base, if you will, skyrocketed. And then they didn't do anything. And then I, and then I, I believe I saw a statistic that the subscriber count like decreased after because the of that really stupid announcement, the, the really stupid article that they put out saying we're not going to do any more Snyder Cut content. So I really feel like after they saw how popular the Snyder Cut was, because it obviously was popular, they should have just said, kill the article. Kill the article right now, because it made them look very antagonistic, and it really just made it look like, and Screen Junkies said it best, and Sarnoff hates money. It just really makes them look like idiots even more than they already are because of what they did to Zack Snyder and the Snyder Cut. Additionally to that, I think we're going to get the, the, um, what is it? I, I think, I think we're going to, I believe we're going to get the air cut any minute now. That's, that one is more likely to happen as soon as, as the merger goes down, because that one requires significantly less work. All they have to do is say, good, because even Ayer has said, yeah, it would cost a lot less and require a lot less work than the Snyder Cut. So you just finish that, dump it on the HBO Max, release it, obviously, have people enjoy it, and then see if see if there's a, like a, a demand for it, and then decide, okay, we're going to restore the Snyder first, base it off of that. So I, re I really think it's significantly more likely that that's going to happen significantly sooner than a restoration of the Snyderverse. Because remember also, the other actors for the Snyderverse are like in other projects and busy. Would they come back? Would they put stuff on hold and come back for Zack Snyder? Probably. But Ben Affleck has said he's done being Batman. Here's why I have a hard time believing that. He said it was done with superhero movies after Daredevil. So what that indicates to me is that, you know what? He would come back for Zack Snyder. No doubt in my mind. If Zack's back, he's going to come back and do it. And Cavill has been... Very vocal about wanting to play Superman, and we're very vocal about wanting him to play Superman as well. So it's it's not like they don't want to play the roles anymore. I guarantee you they don't. They want they want to continue playing the roles. Let's not forget. Here's the great part about the Peacemaker thing: when they brought them in as a cameo, that cameo proved to Warner Brothers that the Justice League brand is like alive and well. Because remember. The most talked about scene in Peacemaker was that cameo. And that was at the end. That was the season finale. That was the most talked about moment of the, of the Peacemaker finale. There you go. It's just that. So what I think that indicates to me is that Warner Brothers now sees, okay, so the team itself, the brand is a lot. So we can agree on that. What was the most popular, uh, the, uh, and I'm, I'm speaking as it, I'm, I'm like, speaking in the voice of a Warner Bro of a Discovery executive now, because it can be Discovery. So the Justice League brand is popular, A. B, what version of the Justice League was the most popular? I don't think anyone can dispute that the Snyder Cut was more popular than the Whedon Cut. That's just like, that, that, that is indisputable. 
So they're going to look at that. Okay. Whedon has a bunch of like issues with him. Let me put it that way. So I guarantee you that, that the company is going to want to distance themselves from Joss Whedon. Adding on to it that, again, we need exclusive content for HBO Max. So let's approach Zach, give him an offer so he can, uh, and then let's go to the actor saying, we got Zach on board. He wants to do it too. Are you on board? Because the minute you get Zach on board, everyone comes back. Let me put this way, Ben Affleck was done playing Batman. He came back for the Snyder Cut, like, reshoots to be Batman with Zack Snyder. Anyone that, that says they're done with these movies is done, un is basically done until Zack Snyder comes back. That's really the way that you guys should, should like, should keep it in your mind. Because that's, that's really the key. Once you get Snyder on board... That's it. You're good. You're 100% good. Now, what's the likelihood this is going to happen? I would say like 80 to 90 percent into 90. I would say actually 90 to 99 percent that that all this is going to happen. It's going to take a while, but I guarantee it's going to happen. The minute you hear of any rumors of Zack Snyder meeting with Warner Brothers with Warner Discovery, it's it's done. That's going to happen. Let me put it this way: the minute they announced the air cut, that's when I should. That's when I would start celebrating for two reasons. Number one is the air cut, and from what I heard, it's significantly better than whatever was released. So that's the first thing. The second part is that if if they're going to release the air cut, it's significantly more likely that they're going to say, you know, we'll just release the whole thing. Give the people back to Snyderverse. We're good. Plus, they wouldn't have to cancel their other stuff. We're not saying cancel like Batgirl, cancel like flash or anything like that what i mean what what we want is you say it's a multiverse you say every director's vision is welcome james gunn just let let zach have his uh, as mine because it was taken from him by greedy executives that wanted to copy marvel you can't do that with dc characters because dc is solely different than marvel but anyway i want to get down that tangent the point is significantly likely that's going to happen and the Batman also actually helps it because guess what? If that's popular, again, it's showing that the Batman brand is popular, that people like the Batman. Because remember, this was the first Batman movie, solo Batman movie, since the end of the Nolan trilogy. And it, as far as I know, it's doing really well. So if the brand is really popular, what that means to me, to to, to the independent comic book fan that the brand is popular and then they're going to start wanting to do more with that brand what's easiest they already have i'm guarantee you ben affleck still has his batman script and his screenplay and all the stuff for the batman so it's likely he's going to do it so that's my point what i'm saying is that is that the batman brand is popular we've already established that Therefore, you want more of the Batman. And what was a significantly popular version of Batman? Ben Affleck's Batman. And, and he had an entire movie. It's either a movie or a series. I'm pretty sure it was a movie where it would be, where he would have his own Batman movie and it would be Ben Affleck's Batman. So 100% you could get away with this and still 
I guess, profit off the Batman brand. That's my point, is that all of this stuff put together. Now, here's my problem. I know that like a lot of DC fans that are Snyder fans are saying boycott all of Warner Brothers stuff because, the, because they're not giving us what we want. But think about it this way. Think about this with more logic and less emotion. All right. So if the Batman does well, if any of these movies do well, that means the brands for the individual characters are popular. If the brands for the individual characters are popular, A, they're not going to replace them. And B, Warner Brothers is going to want to do more with those characters. If they want to do more with those characters, they're going to want more versions. If they want more versions, I feel like I'm in the direct TV commercial. If they want to do more versions, then that will lead to them saying, you know what, let's just give Zack Snyder his stuff. That's it. It, it can be an Elseworlds storyline. We know these, these characters are popular, so it's significantly more likely that they're going to be like, okay, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. That's all I'm saying. I understand that you want to boycott it, but that's not going to have the intended effect. It's going to have the opposite effect. So what I would do, watch the movies, enjoy them. You can not like them, but support them because that because money speaks. You have to show, you saw, so it's a shame you still have to show them because really I, thought, I think the Snyder Cut success should have showed them that they should release this. I mean, you couldn't get DVD. There was like, racks and racks and racks of dvds at um at like best buys which it was said zack snyder's justice league on the price tag but they were all empty because people were getting that movie it's just remember be calm don't be so emotional and all will happen everything is falling into place let me put it this way it's significantly likely it's going to happen and the success of these movies depends on it. No, I mean, and it depends on the success of these movies in part. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm going to say. All right, that's it. So, hope you guys enjoyed this spoiler review of The Batman. It's overall my favorite solo Batman movie of all time. I was, I still remember when Pattinson was announced, when, when Robert Pattinson was announced, I was very apprehensive. That's where I think most people were very apprehensive when it came to Pattinson because you remembered him from Twilight. But when you saw the trailer and when, now when you see the movie, you're like, there was absolutely no reason to be apprehensive about this guy. He knows what he's doing. He obviously loves the character. And his portrayal of the character is really, really, really good. All right, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I will see you next time. And hope you enjoyed um the rest of the weeks of the bat. All right, stay working, everyone. Bye-bye.